chapter 5, verse 1. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. As you guys are turning there, I just want to say thank you. First of all, I want to say thank you to the eldership team. Uh, the elders, Pastor Don, they came to me at the beginning of the year, and they said, we want you to preach a four-week sermon series, and that's, you're going to do it. And you already know how they do it. They volunteer us things, and I love it. And I say, yes, sir. Sounds good. I'm ready. You know, so it's such an honor. And what's funny is it's cool how God works things out because before Don even knew that he'd be going to Africa, this was already scheduled for these days. So it's amazing to see that someone was already filling the pulpit so our head pastor can go and minister in Africa. So I think that's amazing how God does that. And he says, hi, by the way, we were just FaceTiming earlier. Um, but yeah, I just want to say thank you and thank you to this church family for welcoming me to do this. It's, I, I feel at home. I don't feel pressure. I love to do this. And it has to do with our community that opens their arms to the next generation and say, hey, we believe in you. God's not done with this generation and we want you to walk in your gifts. So I just want to say thank you so much for, for this opportunity, as well as hearing Eli preach last week and so many other young people. It's just, it's just amazing. It's an honor. So God is good. So, all right, this is my first time preaching for four weeks in a row, so please be gracious. Um, I, I have no idea what I'm doing, so, but God is good. He is with us. So let's go ahead and read uh, Galatians 5, verse 1. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Let's pray. Father, bless the reading of the word. I pray, Lord, that we can receive this word in our hearts and walk it out. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, come and speak through me and speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, everyone said Amen. Before we jump into this word, I also want to honor uh, my friends Chaka and Liana from Massachusetts. Let's give them a hand. So glad they're here. I would not be married if it, if it wasn't for that man right there. So some of you guys, if you know us personally, you know the story. But back in 2020, um, my family and I, last minute, no, let me t back up a little bit. We had a trip planned to go to Brazil in summer of 2020. The tickets were, were bought. The, the, the vacation days were set, but due to COVID, we weren't able to travel internationally. So my dad was like, I have some vacation days. Let's, we might as well go and see my friend Chaka in Massachusetts. So it's like, all right, cool. We're just going to go on a week-long vacation. And we go out to Massachusetts, and Chaka over here looks at my dad and says, hey, there's this girl on my worship team. She'd be perfect for Breno. Let's set it up. <laughs> and you think that's crazy. We get there on a Saturday, right? So the next morning, we have church service. So we go to this church, right? We're sitting in, in near the back, and Chaka looks at my dad and says, I'm going to be right back. And let me remind you, Chaka didn't tell me anything. I have no idea what's going on. Chaka leaves us. He comes to the stage, grabs Juliana's hand. I didn't find this out until after we were married. He grabs her hand and says, hey, I'm going to introduce you to your future husband. <laughs> and here we are. So to any single people, if you want to get married, talk to him after service. He's going to probably help you out. Oh, man. Man, God is so good. So the last two months here at Firm, we've been talking about victory. And we've been talking about the cross. And Jesus, who was the greatest victim 
became the greatest victor. And as we celebrated last week on Easter, he was victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And when I think about the cross and I think about Easter, I think about what was established on that beautiful day, on that resurrection Sunday, when Christ defeated death, hell, and the grave, what was established? Christ established freedom. Everyone say freedom. Freedom. Jesus came to give us freedom. And let me tell you guys something. Freedom, it's powerful. Free people are dangerous. Let me go ahead and list a few dangerous free people. It was a free man who stood in front of Pharaoh and said, let my people go. It was a free man who stepped into the promised land and said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It was a free man who stared down Goliath and said, you come against me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. It was three free young people who refused to bow before false gods knowing that a fiery furnace was coming. In recent history, it was free men who declare we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It was a free man who said, I have a dream that one day we would live in a nation where we would not be judged by our color of our skin, but by the content of our character. But the greatest expression of freedom came 2,000 years ago when hanging on a tree by his sacrifice, Jesus Christ, a free man, paid the undeserving price for you and I to be truly free indeed. Hallelujah. We celebrate the good news of the cross, and the good news is we are free through Jesus Christ. We are free from the bondage of sin, the eternal penalty of sin, torment of fear, guilt and shame of sin. We are baptized with Christ in Romans, crucified with Christ in Galatians, seated with Christ in Ephesians, strengthened by Christ in Philippians, hidden in Christ in Colossians, and reigning with Christ in Revelation. We are the free people of God. There is freedom in this place, all through the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. But then I wrestle with this because freedom is available but many of us are not free. And that left me with the question preparing this word. What keeps us from freedom? And that's bondage. Chains keep us from freedom. And the reason why many people are battling bondage is because our enemy knows that the most powerful people on this earth aren't the people with all the money. They're not the people with the guns or the fame. They are the people who are freed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Those are the most dangerous people walking this earth. Our enemy knows that, so what's he going to do? He's going to try to keep us locked up. This right here is why the church isn't dangerous. This is why we're victims because of chains, because of bondage. The devil knows that, so he's going to try to keep us tied up in these chains. This is why this sermon series is important. And as Pastor Don preached last month, we are not victims. We're victors. 
amazing sermon series, but to take it another step. It's one, it's one thing to have victory over one battle, but it's another thing to approach, approach every upcoming battle as a victor. Yeah. Now, being a victor in Christ, being free in Christ, victimhood isn't even an option anymore because I'm free. I'm free. And when I was preparing for this series, I prayed for a sermon series that was personal. Being a Bible school student, and my friends from Edge Bible College would know, you learn a lot when you study the Bible. And even my, my friends in men's Bible study, there's a lot to learn when reading the Bible. But it's one thing to preach out of biblical knowledge. It's another thing to preach out of personal experience, out of personal testimony. Because I know what it feels like to carry a chain around. I know what it feels like to not be able to lift my hands during worship because my hands are weighted to the ground by the chains. I know what it feels like to show up to church on Sunday and go back to my addiction Sunday morning or even Sunday night. I know what it feels like to, ha- to carry shame and to carry the weight of my bad decisions and feel unworthy to worship Jesus. But I also know what it feels like for a Savior to come and meet me in my brokenness, meet me in my pit, meet me in my shame, and say, I have, I have a different story for you. I'm not done with you. I have different plans for you. I want you to be free. I know what it feels like to be free. I know what it feels like to surrender my chains at the altar and walk away and look at it, never, never look at it again. I know what it feels like. And I want each and every person in this place, each and every person watching on live stream to experience the same thing. This is important. This sermon series is for my friend who loves Jesus, but you can't let go of smoking marijuana. We're going to talk about it. This sermon series is for my friend where you show up to church every Sunday, but you can't stop having panic attacks. And you wonder, why am I still anxious? I go to church. This is for my friend who keeps coming to life group. But they have no idea what it means to feel joy in the presence of the Lord, and all they feel is depression. This is for my friend who feels unworthy to walk out their gifts and serve in the church because they've done too much bad to be called forgiven. And they feel the weight of shame from their past, and they can't walk in their giftings anymore. This sermon series for you. Jesus wants to set you free. He wants to set you free indeed. John 8, 36 says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Christ's freedom isn't temporary. It's not like a gift card. It's like, hey, here's a free ice cream cone at McDonald's. It expires next week. There's no expiration date on the freedom of Christ. Hallelujah. It's not temporary. It's not momentary. momentary. It's permanent. Christ wants you to be free indeed. The title of my sermon series is Finally Free. Finally free, finally free. Some of us know that. Me and my friend just dropped a song. This is terrible. I'm plugging my own music on a Sunday morning. This is terrible. It just happened. But um, I just dropped a a song called Finally Free. And what's super cool is my friend Crew, who was on the song as well, he actually came to me with the song idea the same week that God told me to preach on freedom. Mm. 
And it wasn't until months later that we decided to drop the song. And I just realized last week that it was the same time as I was preparing for the sermon series. You can't make that stuff up. So we're going to rap about freedom, but we're also going to talk about freedom for the next four weeks. Because there's freedom in this place, amen? So for us to have the revelation and understanding that there is freedom available, we need to first understand what are we free from. So I want to go to Scripture and answer this question, what has Christ set us free from? The first thing that Christ set us free from is the bondage of sin. We're free from the bondage of our sin. So this deals with our captivity. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. John 8.34 says, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So for something to be liberated, it must first have to be bound or imprisoned. The very definition of a captive is one who's confined. That's exactly what we were. Before Christ, you and I were imprisoned, held under the bondage of sin. Sin was our ruler, and it held us captive. So in the days of living before Christ, we all have different testimonies. We all have different stories. Some of us were crazier than others. Some of us have stories we ain't going to talk about in public. But before we walked with Christ, we were submitted to the authority of our sinful nature. Whatever sin wanted, that's what sin got because they were our authority. Each and every one of us here have a sinful nature. We are born into the sin ever since the fall of man when Adam and Eve disobeyed sin against God. We were born into a fallen world, born with a sinful nature. However, when you're born again, When you fall to the feet of Jesus, repent and surrender your life to him, something beautiful happens. You have a new master. God gave you a new nature and more importantly, filled you with his Holy Spirit. So you're no longer under the control of your sinful nature. You've been set free. You have a new authority now. It's Christ. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all the things that passed away. And all things are new. We need to receive this truth. We have a new master. Romans 6, 5 through 7 says, For if we have been united with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. We are set free from the bondage of sin. So the second thing that Christ sets us free from is the penalty of sin. The eternal penalty of sin. This deals with our eternal destination. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So outside of Christ, we all had a death penalty. 
You and I were on death row before Christ. Because of our sin, you and I were on a path to be eternally separated from the very presence of God. This was the eternal liability or penalty of our sin. But thankfully, the story doesn't end there. Paul states here that the gift of God is eternal life. When you receive Christ in your heart, not only do you get to walk with him here on earth, being filled by the Spirit of God, but also you have a gift of salvation, an eternal destination, going to heaven, being with Christ for eternity. When Jesus hopped on that cross, when he set you free, he took away that death penalty, the death penalty that you and I deserved. He said, I know they are guilty, but I'm going to step in and pay for it. He literally shifted our eternal destination. We're free from the penalty of eternal death. God is so good. So he sets us free from the bondage of sin. He sets us free from the penalty of sin. And he also sets us free from guilt and shame of sin. And this deals with our vitality. Our success in walking with Christ with confidence and boldness. Have you ever experienced a feeling of guilt? Have you ever felt shame for things you've done in your past? Have you ever repented but felt like you had to repent like three or four times just to make sure Jesus (laughs) forgave you? Because what you did was, okay, that was bad, but that, I got to repent like five times because that was, we're not going to talk about that those days. Right? But this is a serious issue because a lot of us live like this, where we make the decision in our hearts that, yeah, but they don't know, if they only knew what I've done, if they only knew what happened to me, then they, then they would understand why I'm not serving. Then they would understand why I don't praise with freedom, and I don't want to get involved because if they, if they begin to know me below the surface, because if we're honest, there's a surface level version of us, but then there's a real version of us, right? I'm just going to keep it. Hi, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good. I'm good. Good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to stay there because as soon as I get honest and vulnerable, they're going to walk away. Now, your issue isn't with that other person. Your issue is with God. Because you don't believe that you have been set free from your past. And this can haunt us and cripple us, taking away our capacity to live and develop, which is our vitality. But today I have good news for you. You have been set free, and when you sincerely repented the first time, God forgave you. He removed that sin from you as far as the east is from the west. Psalm 103.12 says, as far as the east is from the west... So far does he remove our transgressions from sin. He will never bring it up again, and neither should you. So in Christ, he does not just forgive the sins of our past, but he also forgives us from the shame and guilt of our past. You don't believe me? I have some Bible to prove it. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. As far as the east is from the west, Psalm 103.12, I got to read it again because it's so good. 
so far from the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Freedom in Christ has set us free from our past. We need to remember that, but we also got this voice in our mind that's trying to remind us all the time. Remember what you did, what they were, and they're not going to accept you, they're not going to welcome you. Remember what happened, remember what you did. In case you don't know, that isn't God speaking, that's the devil speaking. He's trying to remind you of your past, but when the devil reminds you of your past, you better remind him of his future, because our future is looking a lot better than his. His future is death. Your future is life, church. His future is darkness. Your future is light. His future is defeat. Your future is victory. The battle's already won. Jesus is on the throne. He wears the victor's crown. Sometimes you got to remind your opponent to check the scoreboard because it's looking a lot better than us. We are set free. We already won the battle. Victimhood ain't even an option anymore because Jesus set me free. Jesus set you free. So we're not even going to talk about it. It's time to move forward. I feel like that's that's for somebody right now. It's time to move forward. When he was on that cross, he saw all of us. And did you know that Jesus, being fully man, fully God, had the capability to call a legion of angels from heaven to get off that cross. But he remembered, for God so loved the world, it was because of love. Because he loves us. Because Jesus knows, yeah, they're going to mess up. They're going to make mistakes but I'm setting them free. So we were able to get biblical, get theological, but I now want to get applicable. I want to get practical. So now that we see in Scripture, there's so many different verses that shows us, okay, there's freedom in Christ. What's the next step? The first step is acknowledge the truth. Turn to your neighbor and say, you should acknowledge the truth. So John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32 says this. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then he says this, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I think it's awesome how every time Jesus in scripture refers to truth. He refers to freedom. Because here's the beautiful thing. Jesus is the way, the the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth. We have freedom through Christ. So automatically, there is freedom in truth. You can't have Christ without truth. So any gospel being preached out there without truth is not a real gospel. It's a false gospel. Truth and love. Because he is the truth. He is the way and he is the life. And truth is powerful. There is power in truth. And here's the truth. We all need freedom. Let's stop being fake about it. 
Can we please stop being fake about the reality that we are all struggling and we all need Jesus? But here's the problem. Many of us aren't finding freedom because we're trying to fake it till we make it. Sunday morning, so it's time to put on that face. It's time to act like everything is good, everything is cool. It's time for Bible study. It's time for me to pretend that I read all the verses, I'm caught up. (laughs) It's time for the prayer meeting. Even though I got 500 prayer requests, I'm going to say, my week is doing good. I'm good. But let me tell you something. You can't fake your way into healing. Mm. Whoo! Thank you, Holy Spirit. You can't fake your way into restoration. You can't fake your way into freedom. Because people around you might, might go along with the fakeness you're trying to give them, but God can't. God knows the real you. He's like, oh, look at them. They got a smile on their face, acting like everything's cool. Look at them. And the sad reality is we think we're doing ourselves a favor by staying fake. But we're actually digging our hole deeper and deeper and deeper. Because the longer we ignore the symptoms the greater the infection we cause in the wound. I'm going to say it again for my sister over there. The longer we ignore the symptoms, the greater the infection we cause in the wounds. We know that. When we begin to have symptoms, what do we do? Right? We check, we check our temperature. We go to a doctor. Right? But the longer we do nothing about our cold, nothing about our fever, the worse our health gets. And this is the same thing spiritually. The longer we ignore the little things, the teeny tiny things, the longer we ignore them, the worse it gets when dealing with bondage and chains. But that's the first step. We have to acknowledge the symptoms. We have to make a self-reflection, our personal time with God. This is why personal time with God is important. Because the Holy Spirit wants to do work, work on us. And it's time to do some self-reflection. Okay, I'm noticing that I'm being more bitter than I've ever been with all of my relationships. Or I notice that I get jealous every time I see a brother or sister walk out their gifts. I notice that I'm always angry. Right? These are, these are symptoms. Let me just list a few. Pornography is a symptom. Alcoholism is a symptom. Smoking cigarettes is a symptom. Binge watching Netflix for 10 hours is a symptom. God comes for all of us. God comes. Man, if you, let's be real this morning. If you watch Netflix for 10 hours straight, you're trying to escape something. If you're scrolling on Instagram for five hours straight, you're trying to escape something. If we're being, think of the name, binge watching. Just think about it. Right? 
We're escaping something. I, I talk a lot about my struggles with sexual sin and pornography. When I was running to those things, I was escaping. I was numbing a pain. And that's what alcohol does, right? It numbs the pain. That's what drugs do, right? They numb the pain. That's what toxic relations do, relationships do, right? Boyfriend to boyfriend to boyfriend. I'm not going to deal with my deep daddy issues, so I'm just going to go from boy to boy to boy to boy. We're ignoring the symptoms. But we have to acknowledge that there is some healing that God's trying to do. We need to acknowledge the truth. But we can't just stay right there. We got to go deeper. So if I have a symptom of bondage and chains, where is the deep root? For example, if my wife has a cold, she's sneezing, her nose is running, I'm going to be a great husband, gain some brownie points, and grab her a Kleenex, right? I'm trying. What can I do, right? I'm no doctor. (laughs) I went to Bible school. I can't. I'm no doctor, so I can give her a Kleenex. Because I want to be a good husband, right? I gave her a Kleenex, which was cool. I fixed her symptom, but I didn't get rid of the cold. We got to go deep. And the main person, the only one who can truly open our eyes to the deep roots is the Lord, is the Holy Spirit. That's why... We need to walk in the Spirit, stay submitted to the Holy Ghost, and say, okay, I'm going through this. What does this mean? We need to stop being fake. And if we're honest, we've done, bad, we've done a bad job as Christians creating fake church cultures. It breaks my heart that I have people in my life that won't go to church What's the first thing they say? They're a bunch of hypocrites. But that's what religion does, doesn't it? it did, fake, fakeness in the church just didn't start in 2022, 2023. It's, it, it's always been here. Read about the Pharisees and the Sadducees in Scripture. Because this is what religion does. Religion forces us to perform instead of walking in vulnerability. Religion forces us to look down on others instead of looking up to God in humility. Religion forces us to ignore the truth instead of embracing accountability and community. Because it's easy to talk about other people's problems, but we forget that we're just as bad as them. All of us in this room, we need the grace and mercy of God each and every day. All of us in this room. It may be different from the person standing next to you, but we are all in desperate need of God. And no matter how great somebody's life looks on the internet, they're going to have to stand before Christ face to face just like you and I. And God isn't going to be like, oh, but they got, man, they got a million followers. They had a lot of friends. They were really popular. What am I going to do? God don't care about any of that. He'll open doors. He'll provide influence. But at the end of the day, many people will preach in my name, and I'm going to say, I never knew you. We all need God. All of us, from the elders to the worship leader to the pastors to the ones serving in the back 
to the ones who don't feel worthy to come into the doors. We all need Christ. All of us. Vulnerability brings freedom. It does. I've been there. When I'm in a room, and whether it's life group, Bible study, and vulnerability happens, something changes. Where we're not just talking about the weather, we're not just talking about sports, but if someone just takes one person to be like, can I be honest? This week has been terrible. Me too. Or can I be honest? I struggle reading the Bible. Me too, bro. Right? There's freedom in that moment. There's liberation of like, wow, we, we, we are, you struggling, I'm struggling. Let's chase Jesus together. And that's what a church community should be. A group of people who are all imperfect, sinful people who are submitted to the Lord, walking with him day by day. That's what a church should be. But it starts with acknowledging the truth. But we can't just be honest about where we are. We need to be honest about where we were and what God has done. So this might be more specific to some seasoned believers where you have experienced the freedom that God has given you, right? Share your testimony. If you've been walking with Christ, whether for a week long or 20 years, 40 years, share your story. Because I promise you, there's somebody in this room, somebody in this church family that is currently going through something that God has conquered in your life. They need somebody to speak into their lives. And, and I don't know if you notice, but every time I have an opportunity to share, I'm, I'm sharing my testimony. And you may wonder, man, why? Man, he always shares his testimony. And the reason I share it, not to give a pity party, not to victimize myself, because that ain't even an option, right? Because I'm free. I share it because God has called me to share the goodness of what he's done so somebody else can taste and see that they have hope. I was listening to this podcast uh, that Lecrae and Tim Ross was doing. It was really good. And Lecrae was talking about uh, a story when he was young. So Lecrae, he was 10 years old, and just like every other 10-year-old, he's in the grocery store, and he's treating the grocery cart like a scooter, like all of us did. Like when I, whenever the cart was empty at Walmart, I'd go crazy. But then Mama Aquino would go, ah, no, stop. So just like any other 10-year-old, Lecrae, he was going through the store, and he's going too fast, and he, go, he goes on a curve, but then the grocery cart uh, bumps into a, a wall, and his pinky was between the wall and the grocery cart. So then he jammed his pinky, so then he started bleeding everywhere, right? So a 10-year-old, blood is there, they're crying, right? He's crying, he's causing a scene in this grocery store, everybody's looking at him. He's like, I'm going to die. He's like... <laughs> The world is over. I'm going to die, right? Maybe some parents have been in those moments with their kids that they're about to die, right? <laughs> it's crazy. But he's on his knees, like pleading, like, oh, what's happening? This stranger comes up, grabs his hand, and when Lecrae looks at the man's hand that grabbed him, he saw that the old man lost a finger. And then all of a sudden, I ain't going to die, Right? 
he gained a glimpse of hope, and the guy looked at his pinky. He's like, you just lost a nail. You'll be all right. In this moment, this man's scars gave him hope that his wounds can heal. Mm. Come on, church. Come on, church. You've been through some things. God has set you free from some things. Your scars will give somebody else some hope and some proof that their current wounds can heal. This is why community is important. We need to share our story. Because if someone hears my story, that I struggle with pornography for years, that I struggle with this, I struggle with that, I struggle with insecurity, it should give them hope like, if Jesus can set him free, he can set me free. Thank you, Jesus. And there is scripture to prove this. James 5, 16 says, therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There is healing in community. And we need to grab a hold of this because one of the greatest weapons that the enemy uses against God's people is isolation. All the devil needs to do is talk you in to thinking that you're the only one. That there's nobody else in your community that's struggling like you are. That's all he has to do. Because now you're going into every service, every birthday party, every get-together thinking, I'm the only one. I must be the only one. But you're not. Scripture even says it. There is not a sin that God hasn't seen under the sun. He has seen everything. Everything that you're going through right now, God has seen it, and he's taken care of it. Share with someone today that you're struggling. And when you become a disciple of Jesus, you begin to walk in relationship. You begin to abide in his word. The truth is eventually going to come out. If you surrender your life to Jesus, say, okay, Jesus, whatever you want to do, do it. He's going to begin to reveal some truth. But we need to remember, let me encourage someone, don't run away from the truth. Don't run away from vulnerability. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So instead of pushing it away, embrace it. Embrace honesty. Embrace the hard conversations. Embrace the vulnerability because it's not as bad as you think. Every time I've made a decision to say, man, I don't want to tell them this, but I got to tell them this. It, it, it went way better than what I thought. And those were actually the first steps to freedom. More of my story, I went to church here all my life, but I was struggling. I had secret sin, and I didn't tell anybody because I felt like I was going to be judged. Because, like, man, that's, but that's Breno. He don't struggle because he plays the drums. <laughs> right? But we think like that, don't we? Like, he's gifted, so he probably, he's probably all right. So I had this misconception that, man, I can't be honest and open about what I'm going through because I'm the only one. But it was during a sermon that Pastor Don, our lead pastor, right, an anointed preacher, 
our discipler, our leader in the front lines. He was like, back years ago when I was struggling with pornography, and that just, I was like, what? Pastor Don? Someone I look up to? He struggled with the same thing before he found Christ. Right? And that gave me a glimpse of hope. So embrace vulnerability because it's powerful. So that's the first thing we need to do is acknowledge the truth. The second thing we need to do is trust the process of freedom. There is a process to freedom. And I want to talk about two different things that are in the active believer's life, and that is justification and sanctification. Maybe you've heard these words, maybe you've read these words in Scripture, but I just want to give simple definitions to what they are, what they mean, and how do they apply to our lives. So justification is the free and gracious gift of God bestowed on those who receive by faith the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So we are justified by the cross. When we believe in faith that Jesus paid the price for our sin and our eternal penalty and our shame, then we're justified by the cross. Romans 3.28 says, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And then Hebrews 10.14 brings justification and sanctification together in a beautiful way. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So we are justified by the cross. By the act of Jesus, we're justified. But what is sanctification in our lives? Sanctification means to be set apart from sin, and it is a progressive disconnect in the, in the life of, believer, of a believer from sin towards righteousness. So sanctification is a process. Everyone say process of becoming more like Christ by purifying our hearts and minds through repentance, prayer, and spiritual practices. So you and I were saved, right? By the free gift of God, the cross, we're justified. But now, being submitted to a new authority, not our sinful nature, a new authority, which is Christ, we're now being sanctified in our relationship. So it is a progressive growth towards righteousness. It's not like a magic, magic spell, abracadabra, and then boom, I'm perfect. I'm a Christian and I'm perfect. It doesn't go like that. It's a slow process. It's like, boom, I'm saved. I still got to forgive people that I don't like. Shoot, how do I do that? Man, I'm saved. I feel the joy of the Lord, but I'm still addicted. How do I how do I set free from that? Okay, these are the steps. Okay, cool. Man, I took care of the symptom, but I got some deeper things that I have. I got to forgive my dad from 20 years ago for doing that. Man, I don't want to do that. It's a slow progression getting closer to God. And we need to submit ourselves to this process of sanctification, that it doesn't happen overnight, but God is with us every night, right? And we have this misconception that when we get saved, we won't struggle anymore. And that's what people think freedom is. 
This is why people don't even give freedom a chance because they think, oh, freedom means I don't struggle with sin anymore. No, no, no. Freedom means now I know how to handle when the temptation comes, right? Right. Deliverance isn't, oh, I won't be tempted anymore. Deliverance is, even though I'm still going to get tempted, I used to go this path towards the temptation. Now I'm going to walk away because I know who I am in Christ. That's what deliverance is. So until we meet Jesus or until he comes back, we will always be tempted. We will always be tempted to go back to our old ways, back to our sinful ways. But through the process of sanctification and submission to the Holy Spirit and submission to the Word of God, I'm going to grow more and more confident that I'm not that man anymore and I'm never going back. I'm going to keep going. It's a process. Now, take ownership of this process, but also have faith to believe that even when I fall, even when I relapse, I got to repent, and I got to keep moving forward. Got to keep moving forward. Proverbs 24, 16 says, the righteous, the righteous fall seven times, but get back up. It doesn't say the righteous never fall because they're perfect. It doesn't say the righteous fall seven times, but they stay down because they fell. It says the righteous fall seven times, but get back up. The key to winning this fight against these chains is getting back up. Man, I slipped into drugs again. Get back up. I struggled. I fell into lust again. Get back up. I had another anxiety attack. Get back up. Keep going. Keep moving. Because God ain't done with you. If you got breath in your lungs this morning, God is not done with you. He is not finished with you. It's just the beginning for some of us. You think it's your last moments. You think you're at the end of your road, but God is just getting started. He's not done with you, guys. Be encouraged. Move forward. Because there's freedom in this place. We will never be perfect, but we will continue to be perfected by the one who is perfect, and that is Jesus Christ. And this sentence right here should always be in our hearts walking with Jesus. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was. And we need to have hope. Some of us need to be encouraged. Like you're putting, you're, you're trapping yourself in guilt and condemnation. Because yeah, it's like some of us get scourged and we fall to the traps of the devil because this is what the devil does. The devil is the one that says, hey, one smoke won't hurt, one drink won't hurt. But the devil is also the one that says, wow, I can't believe you did that. You really thought you were going to be free? But we need to say, devil, I rebuke you. I'm in the process of sanctification. And yes, I did fall last night. But because of the cross, because of the freedom that is available by Jesus Christ, I'm going to repent, stomp you, send you back to hell, and I'm going to keep moving forward. I ain't got time for this. So we need to acknowledge the truth. I have issues. I have chains. I have bondage. And then we need to trust the process of sanctification. And lastly, 
We need to give God our chains. Got to give it to him. So many different places in Scripture, it instructs us to be intentional with God. Scripture instructs us to knock, to knock on the door. Scripture instructs us to call, call upon the name of the Lord. It instructs us to ask. It instructs us to seek, to really seek. There is an intentionality that needs to be in our relationship with Jesus. And I leave us with this question. Have you completely surrendered like everything? Not just your Sunday mornings, but the life you live. Have you surrendered everything? And have you surrendered your chains to God? Or are you content with living a life for Jesus but still carrying chains? This is how some of us live in life. Walking around with some chains. I'm going to still, I'm going to get my way to church. I'm going to get myself in the door. But that's it because I, I got these chains. I ain't going to take care of these chains. And the problem is because we don't surrender, we get comfortable in our chains. And we get so comfortable with it that we even have a name for our chains. What's up, little unforgiveness? How you doing today? Oh, you feeling hot today. Okay, we're going to be unforgivable, unforgivable today. What's up, chain of addiction? No, you good. I, I ain't going to surrender you. I mean, the pastor keeps talking about giving you to God, but you keep me comfortable because you numb my pain. You temporarily make me feel like the man. And plus, if I got to give you up, that means I can't, I can't be, I'm, I'm going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to have withdrawal pains and withdrawal pains just aren't worth it. Hey, yo, what's up, chain of criticism? How you doing? You know, everyone around me is lifting up their hands for worship, but nah, I can't, I can't lift my hands because you're on me, but I'm just going to look around and just criticize people. There he is worshiping like that. There she is. She, dump, she jumps too much. Does she understand this ain't a concert? This... <laughs> they playing that song again? Man. We're getting comfortable in our chains. And then the scary thing is, this even ties into the sermon series of victimhood. Because chains give you justification to be a victim. And now you don't even realize it, but because you're carrying these chains, everywhere you go, the chains go. So you single, you desire a great relationship, but because you haven't taken care of yourself, 
you bringing these chains into every relationship. Yeah. And now every relationship that you win, they're the, they're the problem. Uh-huh. They're the bad guy. Yeah. But it's really this chain holding you down and you haven't surrendered to Christ. Every workplace that you walk in, your boss is the worst. But reality is, you haven't surrendered this chain of pride and entitlement because you feel like you got to prove something to somebody every time because you still got daddy issues because dad didn't approve you when you were seven. So now you got to approve every authority figure in your life. You haven't taken care of that. So now you walk into every place you work with this chain. And now every boss ain't good enough. We bring these chains in our marriage. Because they're the problem, right? Because we've gotten so accustomed to carrying these chains. But I need to remind somebody today that chains were not made for carrying. Chains were made to let go. Drop it. And give it to God. Give the chains to the Lord. You got to surrender it. Say, I'm tired of this chain of addiction. I'm tired of this chain of lust. I'm tired of this chain of depression. I'm going to have faith to believe that if my God is as good and as faithful as he says he is, as his word says he is, I'm going to trust and believe that he's going to set me free. That he's going to take care of that. And we're going right there. I'm going to invite the worship team. And I'm going to ask you a question. How desperate are you for freedom? I want you to ponder that question right now. Maybe there's something in your life right now that has become a weight, that has become a chain. And the Holy Spirit is just now revealing that to you. Just reflect right now between you and God. What is keeping me back? What have I been carrying? What chain have I been carrying from the past? What chain have I been carrying from the present? What does God want to grab a hold of? It's time to lay down our pride and surrender everything to him. We have to surrender our chains. You know what? Let's do this. Let's stay seated. I want everyone to close their eyes, bow their heads, and just think about what we've been talking about today. Is there something that you haven't surrendered to God? Is there something that's holding you back? Is there something that's keeping you from living in joy, living in freedom? Is there a chain that you're carrying everywhere? It's time to let it go. It's time to surrender it. It's time to stop giving sin what he wants every day. It's time to be submitted to the Lord, our real authority. 
won't you guys stand with me in this place? I want us to take some time to do business with God. Because there's no point in a sermon, a service, if there's no change involved. This would just be like a TED Talk or something. I'm like, wow, that was cool. And then that's it. My hope and prayer is that anything that has been talked about, any Bible verse, any point, or any new revelation that the Holy Spirit's giving you right now would be a catapult for change and for transformation. So I just want us to take some time. This altar is open. If you want to come to the altar just to worship God and thank Him for setting you free, come and do that. If you want to come to the altar because you haven't been honest with the people around you and you want to start with God today, being honest and vulnerable at the altar, come to the altar. If you've been carrying a chain, God wants you to surrender it today. Come to the altar and do that. But we just want to take some time to worship the Lord and cry out for a miracle. Amen. God, we just pray right now that you come and move. Holy Spirit, just come and invade us in this place right now. We pray for freedom. We pray for healing. We pray for restoration. We pray for liberation. All in your name, Jesus, do it right now. Do it right now. Hallelujah. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Oh. Yeah. Hey. 
yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the honor. God, I thank you that we don't find freedom, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, God. There is a supernatural power that sets us free. And as we jump into this sermon series, as we continue to talk about freedom, I just want to bring up different things, different chains that you might be going through. You're struggling with addiction to pornography, God wants to set you free. If you're struggling with depression, you've never experienced the joy of the Lord, God wants to set you free. If you have a deep struggle with anxiety, God wants to set you free. If you have a constant thought process that your life is not worth living, God wants to bring life and set you free. If you have a chain of bitterness and unforgiveness in your life, God wants to set you free from that. He wants to set you free. And we're going to talk about some deep things. And like I said, I wanted to preach a series that was personal, something that I've experienced. And everything we're going to talk about were things that I had to go through, that I had to do to be free indeed. Because free people are dangerous. And I want us to be known as a ministry, not with the great building, not with the resources, but a church full of people who are dangerous because they are free in Christ. So we encourage you to come and join us next Sunday as we hit part two of Finally Free. Amen. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your spirit as your word says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So we pray, God, that you continue to reveal your hearts in this series on what it means to be finally free. And I just pray right now in faith that there will be testimonies to come that Jesus set people free during this season, God. We give you all praise, all glory, all honor this morning. In Jesus' name, everyone say, come on, let's give God praise. He is good. Thank you for joining us. Turn around and tell someone you are finally free.